Hey everyone, welcome to the Fantasy Football Addicts Podcast. My name is Mung, and unfortunately Los is traveling tonight, so our super producer Dan and I will hold down the fort here. How's it going, Dan? It's good. It's good. How are you, Mung? How was your Thanksgiving? Uh, it was pretty good. Uh, you know, ate a lot of turkey and other foods, and uh, now I gotta hit the gym this week. Did, did you make sure to get your, your football watching in while, while scarfing all that food down? You know, I was actually, uh, I was driving to my aunt and uncle's house, so I, I did not get to see uh, most of the Bears game, the Bears-Detroit game, or the, uh, what was it, the Washington and Dallas game. Uh, but I did catch some of the New Orleans-Atlanta uh, game as I was drifting in and out of my food coma. <laughs> to be fair, I watched the fourth quarter of that Bears game from my phone on the way to my destination as well yeah it was uh you know i i did listen to it on the radio on the way down so i, I got a little bit of the experience and uh I, I was excited man i almost swerved off the road a little bit when uh, they got that last pick a football related thanksgiving injury yeah uh, not not shocking to anybody i'm sure but uh Anyway, uh, we, we certainly hope uh, all of you out there had a great Thanksgiving and did well in your Week 12 matchups. As usual, we will go through all the previews in depth, uh, especially for those of you that may need this last regular season win uh, in Week 13 to either squeeze into the playoffs or uh, if you're doing well, maybe at least get the seeding for that first-round playoff bye. And, of course, we'll also go through the priority waiver wire ads to make that final push or to get ready for the playoffs in weeks 14 through 16. And we will begin with our Gillette close shave of the week. In a surprising turn of events, the Miami Dolphins led the Indianapolis Colts for a little bit Sunday and put up a good fight. However, despite getting intercepted by Xavier Howard on back-to-back throws in the second quarter, Andrew Luck rallied and refused to back down. Luck converted a couple of crucial first downs late in the game and helped set up Adam Vinatieri for the game-winning 32-yard field goal as time expired. Luck racked up 343 yards, three touchdowns, and two interceptions in the gutsy win over Miami and continues to produce as a solid fantasy quarterback one week in and week out despite a few slow starts. Get your close shave like Andrew Luck with Gillette, the best a man can get. Want to try Blades for less? It's easy. Just choose the right blade for you, order conveniently on the website, by email, or by text, and your blades will get shipped right to your door. Start today and get $3 off your first order. All right, first up today, not today, on Thursday, we have uh, our Thursday night game is New Orleans at Dallas. Mung, what do you have for us? You know, Andrew Luck's been a solid quarterback one, uh, much like the first quarterback in our matchup here. Uh, Drew Brees, of course, uh, you're starting him. Um, and on Thanksgiving, it was a disappointing week for Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, and Mark Ingram owners, but it was a fluky game where Breeze decided to thank all the depth guys in New Orleans with the touchdowns on Thanksgiving, apparently. Um, of course, you're still going back to Michael Thomas. You're going back to Alvin Kamara. Those are both uh, you know, wide receiver one, running back one there. Ingram here, uh, it's a tough matchup on the ground against Dallas, so he'll be a boomer bust running back too. Certainly still has that upside in this uh, rock solid offense, but we'll see if Traquan Smith too can return from that foot injury. Um, if he plays, Smith will be a boomer bust wide receiver four. Uh, the Dallas uh, pass defense is decent, but their secondary does have holes in it. And then finally, with Dan Arnold and Ben Watson splitting snaps at tight end here, 
neither is really startable as more than a risky low-end tight end too, uh, although both do have touchdown upside in this Saints offense. On the Dallas side here, uh, the Saints defense has been playing very well lately, uh, but Matt Ryan did put up over 20 points against them on Thursday. Prescott should be a startable high-end QB2 here with his newfound production after that trade for Amari Cooper, uh, but you may have better options at quarterback this week. Ezekiel Elliott, of course, still a top-five fantasy running back despite the tougher matchup. And while Amari Cooper may have put up 38 points against Washington, don't forget about his six-point day the week before against Atlanta. Cooper remains a boomer bust wide receiver three or flex option for me, given that variance. And there's still really no fantasy-relevant players behind those three on the Cowboys. Uh, so we'll go to the pick here. Uh, it's hard to bet against the Saints right now, so I won't. Give me New Orleans. I'm going to take New Orleans too, but I'm actually quite surprised that you only think that Cooper's going to be a wide receiver three this week. I mean, the, the Saints, the Saints, they're going to run up the score. You, you really don't think that he's going to be able to produce more than six points in this game? Yeah, you know, I, I think... I, I'm sorry, not six, but you know what I mean. Yeah, and that's, uh, you know, that's a fair question. Um, certainly we've seen his upside or his ceiling now, but... At the same time, I, I still think he's a little boomer bust here, uh, and especially since he's really the only viable pass catcher outside of Zeke uh, in this offense. The Saints are probably going to try and double team him a little bit, take him away. Um, you know, the opportunity certainly there, especially if Dallas gets down early. But at the same time, I, I think there is risk that they kind of take him away, and he doesn't get to actually do that much in this game. That's fair. I just, I don't know. I think, I think he's. I think he's due, I mean, not for a 38-point game, but I think he's due for a nice, you know, maybe low-end wide receiver two area. Sure, and again, I think he's that boomer bust guy, so it wouldn't shock me if he got 25 points or if he got, you know, 9 or 10 points. Do, do you want to place a bet? On what, what do you want to put the over I don't know, I'm, I'm trying to think, do you want to do it by fantasy points because then we would have to, to determine some rules, or do you want to just do it by touchdowns yards um you know what i'll probably decline a bet here because again you know it wouldn't shock me if he had a big day but i think the possibility of a down day is why i only have him ranked as a wide receiver three i think there are some safer options with similar upside but a higher floor here man i just want to be on the bet board i'm never on the bet board <laughs> well we can uh, as we go through these previews i'm sure you can think of other opportunities here fine fine we'll just go to the next game all right. um, Los also did take New Orleans as well. Oh, that's right. We have to give him some credit. <laughs> he did. He did mail picks. in his picks, so he wasn't uh, completely lazy this week. All right. The next game we have here is Baltimore at Atlanta. Yeah, and you know Lamar Jackson's playing well. He's winning games for the Ravens and fantasy owners alike, but mostly with his legs. Uh, Jackson's a high-end quarterback too here with upside and a good matchup against Atlanta, but. You know, all the Baltimore wide receivers are hard to trust with Jackson running almost more than he's throwing. John Brown had the most targets, but Michael Crabtree got the touchdown against the Raiders. Both of these guys are just desperation wide receiver fours, although they do have upside against Atlanta here. Gus Edwards is getting free in the run game due to the threat of Jackson running on the ground, and he'll, he'll be an upside RB3 or flex play, especially if he can get a touchdown in this game. On the Atlanta side, uh, you know, the Ravens' defense and special teams scored twice against Oakland, but they've hardly played great recently. Matt Ryan is a fine low-end QB1 with upside here. 
although the Ravens' run defense is still pretty stout. So Tevin Coleman, just a high-end RB3 for me. Uh, He hasn't been involved enough in the passing game to really make fantasy owners that confident about starting him. He got bailed out by a late-game garbage-time touchdown against the Saints, so um, Coleman could certainly have had a worse day. Ito Smith still stealing some carries away as well, but Smith alone is not startable as more than just a desperation running back five. You're basically hoping that he punches in a goal line touchdown like Doug Martin did against the Ravens this past week. Of course, you're starting Julio Jones as a mid-range wide receiver one. And I do like Austin Hooper as a high-end tight end two here. Um, and then finally, Calvin Ridley. Uh, he should be a boomer bust flex play, although... Um, To your point, Dan, I I would probably start Amari Cooper over Calvin Ridley this week. Um, And then Mohamed Sanu is probably a wide receiver to avoid here. Uh, He really hasn't made that many plays recently, hasn't been particularly involved in that Falcons offense. I will take Atlanta at home here, uh, especially if they get Deion Jones back for this game. He's one of a few linebackers in the league that's probably fast enough to potentially spy Lamar Jackson and maybe limit him a little bit on the ground. I'm going to take Atlanta, too, because Baltimore has been such a weird, inconsistent team all year. And uh, I don't know. I guess I guess Flacco is officially like, – I was seeing in the in the Twitterverse, at least, that Flacco, even if he was healthy, probably wouldn't be starting from now on. I'm not sure. Did you see something like that, or did you? Yeah, um, that's why I did project Lamar Jackson as the quarterback this week. It seems like – Flacco may or may not be recovered from his hip issue in time for this game, but regardless, it sounds like Baltimore wants to see what they have in their rookie quarterback and go with Jackson for potentially the rest of the season here. Yeah, I agree with that. I'm gonna I'm going with Atlanta. Yep, and uh, Los is taking Atlanta as well. All right, and that was nice and quick. Uh, next game we have is Denver at Cincinnati. Poor Cincinnati. <laughs> Yeah, you know, the Broncos have been winning, um, but fantasy-wise, the only reliable starters are still Philip Lindsay and Emmanuel Sanders. Lindsay should be a fine mid-range RB2 with lots of upside against this bad Bengals defense. And Emmanuel Sanders, similarly, a mid-range wide receiver, too, with a lot of upside. Uh, by the way, if you're listening to this low, Sanders did have a nice revenge game against the Steelers, even if he was on that team five years ago. Uh, Keenum here, uh, he's got some streaming appeal as a mid to high end quarterback too. Um, the Bengals are certainly playing very poor defense right now and Cortland Sutton for that reason could surprise with a touchdown in this one, but we really haven't seen his ceiling. Uh, he remains just a middling flex play here. Uh, not a whole lot of upside for Sutton. One other name to keep an eye on though is tight end Matt Lacoste with Jeff Hireman out for the year with broken ribs. Lacoste could benefit from a lot of targets underneath. He's a high-end tight end, too, this week, with Cincinnati top five in fantasy points allowed to opposing tight ends. We'll definitely talk about Lacoste more on the waiver wire section a bit later. On the Bengals' side here, Andy Dalton is on injured reserve now uh, with a thumb injury, and I probably wouldn't start Jeff Jeff Driscoll in fantasy against Denver uh, outside of deeper leagues or maybe two quarterback leagues. As for A.J. Green, we still don't know his status, but uh, even if he is active, the Broncos are a tough matchup in the secondary. And honestly, with Andy Dalton out, there's really no reason to risk A.J. Green's health here. Um, we'll see if the if the Bengals decide to shut him down for the year because what are they really playing for? 
Um, even, again, as we said, even if he's un, even if he starts, excuse me, he's unlikely to be 100%. So, if active, he'd just be a low end wide receiver two in this one. Uh, Tyler Boyd, I have him as a high end wide receiver three or flex play, regardless of Green's status. And Joe Mixon is involved enough in the passing game that even if this offense is limited a little bit, he should still be a mid-range RB2 in PPR uh, just because of his floor with all those catches. And then finally, even though C.J. Uzoma is disappointed, he had 13 targets last game against Cleveland. Uzoma is also a high-end tight end too for me this week, uh, especially if that target share keeps up. And then finally, John Ross just keeps scoring touchdowns. Three games now in a row but he's still just a boomer bust wide receiver four, especially against this Broncos defense. Denver has been playing very well since their bye, excuse me, since their bye, toughing out two back-to-back wins against playoff teams, against the Chargers, and now the Steelers. With or without Andy Dalton, uh, I will take the Broncos on the road. I'm going to take the Broncos too. Um, so AJ Green, he, he has turf toe, right? I think that's officially what Yeah, I think they, that's speculation, turf toe or some kind of toe injury similar to that. I'm pretty sure it's, well, at least I heard it was turf toe. And if it is, I think they they shut him down. I think he's not going to play again this year. Turf toe is one of those lingering, nagging injuries that is more of like a, it, it's kind of a pain tolerance thing that severely will limit his ability to jump. And I, I feel like he uses that a lot. Um, to get those jump balls, and I feel like you know it's going to limit his burst. I, I just think they shut him down. Yeah, I mean, certainly, real no real reason to take that risk. And as you said, this is a limiting injury that he's dealt with before too. He's dealt with a lot of toe and foot injuries in the past, um, and that's why we said, uh, you know, two three weeks ago when he first got injured, uh, and the reports came out that you know really trade him, sell him for anything you can because. Even if he did come back, this this injury was likely going to limit him. What does Lowe's take here? Looks like Denver too. Another yep. another agreement from everybody. All right. I guess we can no no. We'll, we'll just move on. Let's go to the next one. So we got Rams, L.A. Rams at Detroit. Yeah, you know this Lions defense is in no shape to stop this juggernaut Rams offense, especially fresh off of their bye week. Um, Goff is a mid-range QB1 here, Gurley a top three running back, uh, Brandon Cooks and Robert Woods, I have them both as mid-range wide receiver twos with upside, and Josh Reynolds is a boomer bust wide receiver three, and he should be owned in way more leagues than he is right now. We'll definitely be talking about Reynolds a little bit long, uh, excuse me, a little bit later on the waiver wire section. As for the tight ends, Tyler Higby got more targets against the Chiefs in their, in their last game, but Gerald Everett scored the two touchdowns, so it's really anyone's guess here. I'd probably avoid both of these tight ends unless you're desperate, but both are boomer bust tight end twos here. On the Lions side, there's garbage time potential here for Matthew Stafford if the Rams get up big, but I'd probably avoid him. Now, he struggled this year, especially since losing Golden Tate to Philadelphia. At, at running back, Kerryon Johnson is still questionable. If he plays, he'd be a high-end running back three. But regardless of Johnson's status, I like Theo Riddick here uh, as a PPR flex play with lots of upside. Again, um, you know, just that passing game script, uh, assuming the lines get down early, uh, Riddick would probably see a lot of targets and catches in that scenario. And for the same reason, I like Galladay as a wide receiver two with upside, and even Bruce Ellington as a low-end flex play with upside in PPR. 
Uh, in case you did not hear, Marvin Jones is on injury reserve and is droppable. And this really boosts both of those uh, other wide receivers because at the beginning of the year, Golden Tate, Marvin Jones, and Kenny Galladay were all kind of 1A, 1B, 1C. But now Kenny Galladay is clear number one, and Bruce Ellington's the clear number two with Theo Riddick mixing in here and there. So all of these guys are made more viable in PPR leagues uh, with Jones gone. I'll take the Rams here pretty easily uh, as they try to keep pace with the Saints in the NFL standings. I'm also going to take the Rams. Um, but I do have a question for you about the Rams' defense. So they've been playing, I mean, they were playing not super great this year, at least not as they were expected to. And outside of the week that nobody played them a couple weeks ago on Monday night because they were playing such a great offense, they were scoring very poorly the previous two weeks. I didn't look this up because I actually don't know where you get this data, but how likely do you think it is that this defense is available for the playoffs? Because if you look at their schedule, they play the Bears, but even then, you know, this could be one of those games where the Bears, like, especially if, if um, and I'm sure we'll talk about it later with uh, Mitch Trubisky still with that shoulder injury. If this somehow lingers, the Rams have coming up, I mean, they have the Lions um, who are not probably going to produce that many points this week. Then they have the Bears. And then they have the Eagles who also have not been playing very well. Like, is, are, is this someone who you're targeting if someone dropped him? especially since they had that bye. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we saw that pass rush really come alive against the Chiefs. And then let's not forget that Aqib Tlaib is designated to return from injured reserve, and he would instantly boost their secondary a ton. You know, their, their pass rush and their defensive line have been playing pretty well. It's just that their secondary can't even cover for enough time. So as long as Tlaib comes back, I think it, they could definitely return to being a top five fantasy defense down the stretch here. I agree with you. Um, what does Los take? Probably the Rams. Yeah, yes, the Rams. Definitely the Rams here. I, I would I would be interested to see the Vegas odds on this game. <laughs> you know what? I bet the line is like I bet it's like two touchdowns. Yeah, that would that wouldn't shock me. All right. Uh next game we have uh Arizona at Green Bay. Well, the Packers secondary is uh pretty much as bad as the Eagles secondary right now for the same reason, and that's just a ton of injuries. Um, there may be some game script opportunities here for Rosen and the Cardinals if they get down early. Uh, while they couldn't take advantage of garbage time opportunities against the Chargers, uh, the Packers' pass rush and secondary are much worse, so there is opportunity here. I have Rosen as a risk-reward low-end QB2. David Johnson as a mid-range RB2 with upside. And Larry Fitzgerald is a high-end wide receiver 3. And then finally, Christian Kirk as a low-end flex player, high-end wide receiver four here. Um, again, if Rodgers and the Packers get up early, they might just need to pass, pass, and pass some more. On the Packers' side here, Rodgers struggled against that fierce Minnesota defense, but he's still a top-five fantasy quarterback this week at home against Arizona. I like Aaron Jones as a low-end RB1 this week in a game where he should get lots of carries in the second half to run out that clock. Devontae Adams is a low-end wide receiver one who may struggle a little bit against Patrick Peterson, but, you know, you're not benching Adams. And then behind him, it seems like Equinemius St. Brown has overtaken Marcus Valdez-Scantling as the number two guy, but neither of these wide receivers is trustworthy enough. I have St. Brown as a boomer bust flex and Valdez-Scantling as a high-end wide receiver four. 
And finally, although Jimmy Graham is playing through that thumb fracture with a splint on his hand, he was not targeted much against the Vikings until late in the game, and even then he just had a couple short catches. Graham has that touchdown upside, but for right now, with that thumb injury, he's just a risk-reward tight end too, and they may not need him very much in this easy matchup against Arizona. I doubt the Packers go 5-0 to end the season, as Rodgers said they did to need to, excuse me, as said they need to do to make the playoffs, uh, but I do think that Green Bay will beat the, the Cardinals here pretty handily at home. I agree with you. Actually, I did just look up the lines. Uh, the uh, the Detroit um, Rams game is actually only eight and a half, but I think that that was, that, that was the opening line before they announced that Marvin Jones was going to be out. But I did happen to see the line for this game, and it's Green Bay is favored by 14 points. I'm definitely going to take them even before I saw that line. But I have a question for you because you mentioned last week about you thinking Mike McCarthy was going to be fired today if they lost. And here we are Monday night. Mike McCarthy still has a job. Um, what, what are your thoughts on this? Because you were very adamant about it last week. Yeah, you know, I, I thought it was going to happen. Uh, everything kind of pointed to that. Uh, this seems to... I mean, it really was a make-or-break game for the Packers, but, you know, it might be a combination of two things. One, technically the Packers are not mathematically eliminated from the playoffs, so perhaps they want to not shake things up too much while they still have a sliver of hope here. Uh, and then two, maybe they just don't really have any candidates right now to fill his place, and, you know, they they don't want to promote any of the assistant coaches. So, uh, it might be a twofold reason there. Again, I thought it was going to happen, but uh, you know, I, I still think it's going to happen sooner rather than later. I mean, I agree that if they don't make the playoffs, I think he's gone. Um, but yeah, I don't know. If it wasn't today, I, I don't think it's going to be before the regular season ends. I have another another. I, I guess it's more of a problem. Why? Why is Jimmy Graham playing through this injury? It almost makes no sense to me. Like he hasn't really added that much value to the team when he was healthy. What what does he think he can do with a broken thumb? And I know you. This is probably more of a question for Los. He's <laughs> well, not here since he since he loves Jimmy Graham so much. Um, I mean, honestly, even whenever he's on the field, he's still at least taking away defensive coverage. Uh, I can't necessarily speak to, you know, why they've decided not to rest him. Uh, again, maybe just because uh, they do have that sliver of hope yet to make the playoffs. Um, and as for him, you know, he's his contract is a two-year contract, so maybe he wants to show teams in a couple of years. I don't know. Yeah, that, that's that's a fair point about his contract. Is I, I didn't know what it was, but I would imagine that they can probably cut him next year for relatively cheap. Uh, I think they're actually eating seven or eight million in dead money. Wow, um, really? Okay, so yeah. They're probably okay. not. They're <laughs> just uh, trying to squeeze as much value. Yeah, out you know, we t- we talk redraft mostly on this podcast, That's fair. but maybe Jimmy Graham's a buy low in dynasty. If you think you know uh, this Packers offense gets a new coach and really fires it up next year. I mean, really, next year the one the, the one player that stands to gain the most is Aaron Jones. Uh, I'm guessing Lowe's takes Green Bay here too, which he yep. does. Uh, let's move on to the next game. I don't want to talk about Green Bay anymore. They they don't deserve this much conversation. Uh, the next one is Buffalo at Miami. Yeah, the Dolphins' defense is actually playing quite well, despite giving up a pretty big day fantasy-wise to Andrew Luck. Uh, that said, Josh Allen is running enough to keep him as a viable fantasy quarterback, too. 
Uh, LaShawn McCoy didn't do much against Jacksonville, and while the Dolphins' defense isn't quite as stifling, I still don't love McCoy as more than a high-end flex this week. And then finally, of the pass catchers, really all there is is Robert Foster. And even he's a boomer bust wide receiver five. Uh, that's about it here, really. The other thing is both of these defenses are startable, though, uh, with both of these offenses likely to be slowed down a little bit here in this game. As for the Miami side, the Bills' defense did enough to stop Jacksonville uh, and enough to get uh, Blake Bortles benched, uh, but we'll get to that in just a little bit. And even though Miami nearly beat the Colts last week, uh, this is a much tougher matchup, I think, defensively. Uh, I'd start... I probably would not start Tannehill here. Um, And even though Kenyon Drake can be a high-end running back three or flex play if he's active... That shoulder injury worries me a little bit, uh, and this Buffalo defense as well. Uh, not giving up much uh, running-wise, uh, even though Leonard Fournette had a big day. If Kenyon Drake were to miss this game, I guess Frank Gore would be a boomer bust flex, but still not a whole lot of upside here against this Bills defense. And then it sounds like Danny Amendola is going to be out again with his knee injury, so I really wouldn't want to start any of Miami's wide receivers against this secondary uh, Leonte Carew had that snag touchdown where he just kind of took it away from the cornerback, but even so, he's just a desperation wide receiver five as a big, big play threat. Uh, but really, uh, I don't see a lot of big plays happening against this Bills defense. While I generally lean toward the home team in close matchups, uh, I will take Buffalo here on the road, uh, assuming Dammy, Danny Amendola is out and potentially Kenyon Drake as well. Yeah, I really want to abstain from this one because both these teams are very depressing to me. Um, I think I'd take Miami. Um, I don't like it, though. And I think I'm, I'm assuming that uh, at least Kenyon Drake is at least going to suit up. That's my guess, though. Uh, I think, and honestly, I have, I have nothing else to even ask you about this. There, there, there isn't anybody of note really to talk about here. Yeah, there's, uh, there's not a whole lot. So these are two pretty mediocre teams, and uh, I will note that Lowe's did take Miami as well. So uh, certainly a close call here, a very close uh, coin flip. But uh, I stick, I'll stand my ground, and I'll take Buffalo. All right, let's just move on uh, to a a better team here. Uh, we have Chicago at New York Giants. Well, the big question for this game is, will Mitch Trubisky be able to play with that shoulder injury? Uh, you know, really, uh, as we always say in the injury section, uh, you just got to monitor the practice reports. Uh, it sounds like it's nothing structural, but uh, he needs some time to heal. So uh, it's really anyone's guess. So we'll see if he practices uh, this week. But regardless of who starts at quarterback, I think Jordan Howard's going to be a low-end RB2 here regardless. Um, you know, we mentioned probably not to start him last week, uh, just the low-end flex. But this week, I do think that the Bears will, are going to want to run the ball against the soft Giants run defense, uh, whether it's to help relieve pressure off of Chase Daniel or to uh, try and save Trubisky from taking too many hits if he starts. I think they're going to want to run the ball, and they can probably do it against this Giants defense. Uh, Tariq Cohen, too, uh, he's still a boomer bust flex play here. Could see lots of action in the passing game if this game stays close, but he might also disappear depending on how this game script goes. At wide receiver, Anthony Miller and Allen Robinson, uh, both these guys are boomer bust flex plays. I would prefer Robinson in this one. Uh, the Giants are giving up some big plays down the field, but 
again, the question is one, uh, you know, if Mitch Trubisky starts, is he going to be 100% with that throw? Um, and then two, if Chase Daniel starts, uh, how effective will he play? And then finally at tight end here, Trey Burton, I have him as a low end tight end one. Uh, he could have a big day here after Zach Ertz just ate up this Giants, uh, this Giants defense underneath. On the New York side here, Eli Manning is holding on to that starting job. He's played well against an awful 49ers secondary and now a severely injured Eagles secondary, but I would avoid him here against a Bears defense that's generating the most turnovers in the league. Of course, Saquon Barkley remains a top five fantasy running back start despite the matchup given his usage and his ability. And then Odell Beckham likewise remains a wide receiver one even in a tougher matchup here. Sterling Shepard remains a viable wide receiver for play in PPR, uh, assuming that Evan Ingram remains out after injuring his hamstring prior to the game against the Eagles. If Trubisky can play, I think the Bears can win this one by multiple scores. And even if he's out, I think that Chicago can do enough on offense and defense with Chase Daniel to gut out a road win here against the mediocre Giants. Yeah, I agree. I'm I'm going to easily take Chicago here as well. Um, but the Giants are, I don't know. First of all, I'm sick of seeing them on primetime. And I'm sort of glad that, I, I guess I, I'm going to watch this game. I'm a Bears fan. And it's sad that I have to watch the Giants in another game. But... I guess, I, I don't know. So where would you rank this team? Like, I guess if you were to do like a power rankings, where, where you can give a range, where are the Giants? Because they're hard for me to rank. They look great sometimes, and then they look like the worst team in the league, like two plays later. Well, I think clearly they're not the worst. Um, I would probably put them around, I mean, you know, they're better than Tampa Bay. They're better than... Well, I mean, so, are so, they, I guess? So, and then, and see? See what I'm saying, um, though? Like, I feel like they can be as good as being just below average. So just below 15, maybe 16 or 17. Yeah. But then sometimes you watch them, and then they're maybe like 24. I'd put them, I'd put them around 20. I, I, I would agree with you. I would say that they are the higher end of the bottom third of the league. But I don't know. It's just... Uh, yeah, because I would take them over teams like uh, like the Bengals right now, like the Raiders and the Niners, and they're good enough not to be that bottom of the barrel. They're, they're around 20, 22, something like that. I don't know. It's just crazy to me that they have potentially two players who are top top five in, in their respective fantasy positions, and the team is just so bad. Yeah, but uh, you know you got to remember that for uh, you know fantasy production uh, does not necessarily equate uh, being good in the NFL, right, especially but, in PPR. But if the team is good, these players are all elevated, and and usually you only see these top five like great at their position on good teams. Well, I mean, not necessarily because we've had you know good players on bad teams, especially if they're playing catch up. Where again, that that garbage time racks up. Uh, I mean, one of the greatest examples is probably Allen Robinson on the Jaguars uh, a few years back when the Jaguars were still awful, or I mean, I guess when they still are awful, but when their defense was awful too. Uh, I guess I don't know. I don't know, but but I guess to 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 take that argument uh, that you just said, Odell Beckham is perennially a top five wide receiver, not just like a one-year guy like Allen Robinson was. He didn't just have one great season. He has great seasons overall. 
Sure. Um, I mean, again, I, again, I just the point here is that fantasy has nothing to do with real life NFL. Uh, you, you can have plenty fair. of good fantasy players on bad teams, and you can have you know good teams who don't necessarily produce a lot of fantasy starters. And you know, Tennessee is probably a good example. They you know they beat the Patriots, and they're still an up and up and down team, but there's really no fantasy stars on their team. That's fair. Uh, one more question for you. So if Trubisky doesn't play, where is Chase Daniel in terms of your quarterback rankings? Because he actually looked decent against Detroit. Um, I, I think the Giants' defense is about on the same level. I'd say a little bit better than Detroit's right now, but probably in that you know quarterback mid-range QB2 territory where you know it's, it's a risk-reward start. He might get a couple touchdowns, but he might have a pick or two as well. I was going to give him somewhere around 15 to 18. So, yeah, a high-end quarterback, too, for yeah, me. Yeah, I, I, I think that range is about right. Uh, I thought, it, I thought he, was, he looked pretty good as a backup. Yeah, and, I mean, you know, kudos to Matt Nagy because clearly his system definitely helps the quarterback out. All right, let's move on. Oh, did we, did we say Losa's pick or can just we let our listeners assume? Duh, Bears. <laughs> All right, the next game we have Carolina at Tampa Bay. Yeah. Um, wow. The Panthers have lost two close games in a row now, uh, but fantasy wise, they're doing great. Cam is a top five quarterback against this awful Buccaneers defense and Christian McCaffrey, man, he remains in that mid range RB one territory with that insane volume of touches in the, in this offense here. As for the wide receivers, uh, Devin Funches being out with a back injury actually freed up enough targets to make both DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel relevant. Uh, if Funches is out, Moore is a low-end wide receiver too, and Samuel a mid-range flex play. And if Funches returns, then Moore is still a high-end wide receiver three and the preferred Carolina wide receiver. And then Samuel and Funches would both be in that boomer bust flex range. Greg Olson uh, has been disappointing as of late in fantasy, but he remains in that low-end tight end one range with Tampa Bay giving up a ton of points to opposing tight ends this year. On the Buccaneers side, uh, you know, Los isn't here to gloat, so uh, I will mention, though, that I was wrong about Nick Mullins outscoring Jameis Winston in Week 12, so he wins that bet. Uh, I'll give credit where credit's due. Winston played well against a bad 49ers team, uh, though I would still avoid him here against the Panthers. Uh, You know, the Panthers' defense isn't playing great, but they're playing well enough to make Winston a risky QB2 start for me. Uh, going back to your question, I would maybe prefer, I'd consider starting Chase Daniel over Jameis Winston. Uh, Carolina has issues in that secondary, but their pass rush is still getting home uh, enough to at least pressure Winston into potentially making some bad decisions here. Peyton Barber continues to produce as a boomer bust flex play, but similarly to Winston, I don't love Barber here. Uh, the Panthers are stopping the run very well, led by Luke Keekley. However, Mike Evans remains a low-end wide receiver one, and as I said last week, I like Adam Humphreys the most out of the rest of the Buccaneers' wide receivers. They've all been a little bit boomer bust, but Adam Humphreys is an upside wide receiver three. He's quietly been averaging almost 15 points per game since Tampa Bay's bye, and he's averaging over 17 points per game in the last four weeks. With O.J. Howard on injury reserve, Cameron Brait also remains a high-end tight end two with touchdown upside, given Winston's tendency to target him in the red zone. Carolina's lost two close games, but they should have won those, and I think they can hold on to this one. Give me the Panthers. 
I'm going to take the Panthers too because I have absolutely no faith in Tampa Bay. Um, I think Lowe's takes Carolina as well, and he does. Um, I don't have any questions really. It's it, it really it's at this point the Panthers are in charge of their own destiny, and the past two games that they should have won, you know, that they, they lost, and now it's starting to look like they might not like sneak into the playoffs. I had them for a while. I had them locked in in the number five wild card spot because they were looking so good. Yeah, and really, uh, I think Seattle's roaring up the rankings right now. They're, they are. They're playing good football, even though uh, even though their offense is such uh, you know just tiring to watch. And we didn't talk. No, we didn't talk about them yet. But I'll, I have some questions about them later. All right. Um, the next game we have here is Indianapolis. No, Indian. Wait, Indianapolis. Yeah, man, I watch too much basketball. Indianapolis at Jacksonville. Well, the Colts' offense is rolling, uh, and I'm not afraid to start these guys at Jacksonville. I would downgrade Luck a little bit to a low-end quarterback one, uh, and Hilton to a mid-range wide receiver two. But you're certainly still starting both unless you have really good options. And then with the news that Jack Doyle is out for the season with a kidney injury, Eric Ebron, he's locked in as a top three or four tight end rest of the season every single week. He should be owned in 100% of leagues right now. And I would start Ebron despite the tough matchup here. Marlon Mack I have downgraded to a flex play with Jacksonville stopping the run quite well. And really none of the other Colts wide receivers are startable here without a clear number two behind T.Y. Hilton. And on the Jaguars' side, they fired their offensive coordinator, Nathaniel Hackett, and they benched Blake Bortles for Cody Kessler. Lots of changes to discuss here, and on top of that, Leonard Fournette is suspended for a game after he threw some punches against the Bills. This makes both Carlos Hyde and TJ Yeldon viable flex plays. In PPR, though, I would prefer Yeldon here. And as for the wide receivers, Dante Moncrief remains my preferred Jaguars wide receiver if you have to start one of these guys. Still just a boomer bust wide receiver four, um, but I would note that even though D.D. Westbrook got the touchdown against the Bills, Moncrief was ruled down at the half-yard line on a near touchdown and is still probably the top target here, although with Cody Kessler under center now, you know, a lot could change. So really, I would probably avoid all the Jacksonville players this week simply because we just don't know how this offense is going to function. The Colts uh, aren't a terrible quarterback matchup, but I'd probably avoid Kessler again until we see a little bit more on how this offense is going to operate. This Jacksonville team is just falling apart, and this is going to be their first game with a different play caller and a new new quarterback, and without their star running back, I will take the Colts on the road. I'm going to take the Colts too, and so Fournette is actually suspended, right? Yeah, I, I didn't one see game. I didn't see the plays, but didn't Philip Lindsay start a fight or something earlier and not get suspended, only ejected? Was it because I didn't see it? Was it that much worse? Yeah, I mean they he threw a couple haymakers, uh, okay, which so is was, dumb when when okay. the other player is wearing a helmet. But uh, oh man, Lamar Miller breaking some big big runs tonight. That's a touchdown. Yeah, I I didn't think he had that kind of speed still to be honest, but it's uh, pretty good. Yeah, I, I like I said, I didn't. I, I probably should just go and watch this replay, but I honestly didn't think he was going to get suspended, only because they didn't suspend Lindsey. Yeah, it because it it wasn't like, you know, like you know somehow or excuse me, sometimes like an NFL player will throw a throw a 
fist at a helmet. Um, he threw like two or three, so he was going after it. I think that's probably why. Interesting. But yes, I think Lois is also taking the Colts here, which he is. Yeah, it's, um, uh, it's hard to bet uh, on Jacksonville that right now. A mess. They looked so promising last year. I know. All right, the next game we have here is Cleveland at Houston. Uh, speaking of not a mess anymore, uh, this Cleveland offense, man, really heating up here. Um, but the Texans will be a tough test for Baker Mayfield. I like him still as a risk-reward quarterback too, but uh, you know, certainly a little bit of risk with that pass rush. Uh, you're not benching Nick Chubb, though. He's a high-end running back, too, this week, despite a rough matchup here. And then Duke Johnson, on the other hand, he hasn't been great, but still a low-end PPR flex for me, especially if the Browns fall behind a little bit in this one. And there's really been no consistency at wide receiver for the Browns. Jarvis Landry's targets have continued to drop over the last few games, so both he and Antonio Calloway are just boomer bust wide receiver fours. Uh, the Texans' cornerbacks are giving up some big plays, so uh, they could break a long one here, but certainly uh, could also be held in check. However, the big story is David Njoku uh, had that touchdown where he jumped up in the air and his teammates pushed him into the into the end zone against the Bengals, but he gets another great matchup here, uh, and he's a mid-range tight end one. On the Houston side, Deshaun Watson struggled a little bit against Washington a week ago, but he's playing well tonight, uh, including a rushing touchdown, so should be a decent low-end quarterback one with upside against the Browns. Lamar Miller, I have a as a mid-range running back too, but I might need to change that after this big touchdown run. We'll see. Um, maybe I'll bump him up a, a slot or two, but I still don't have him as a running back one. DeAndre Hopkins, of course, are starting as a top five fantasy wide receiver. And then Kiki QT remains that viable mid-range wide receiver three. Uh, we'll see how much Demarius Thomas gets targeted tonight. He's still just a wide receiver four for now until we see Thomas incorporated a little bit more into this offense. You know, the arrow's pointing up for the Browns, and I think it'll be a close one, but I'm still going to take the Texans at home. You know, I have three rules when it comes to sports gambling. Don't bet on divisional games, don't bet on primetime games, and don't bet on the Browns. But I think I'm going to have to adjust that rule. I'm going to take Cleveland here. I, I really like what, what's going on with them. Also, that, that Njoku touchdown was one of the most absurd touchdowns I think I've ever seen. I don't think I can think of something more ridiculous. Yeah, you know, the, going back to the don't bet on the Browns thing, I, I think that's changing, though. because that, That's why I said I'm going to have to change my rules. Because, like, I can't, you, you can't say that anymore. Yeah, I think it's don't bet on the Jaguars. <laughs> I'm sure another bottom of the barrel team is going to emerge. Don't don't bet on the Raiders the and don't bet on the Jaguars. Yeah, but it, we'll see how long the Raiders are bad. Like if if they decide that they want to be bad for the entire duration of Gruden, then well, I mean, yeah. honestly, question. I I think I think the Browns would have would have all, like a forty sixty shot to beat the Packers as things are right now. I think well, they have, first of all they have the same record and they have a good defense. Yeah, that's also, what I'm I saying. Mean, are are the Browns the best uh, coaching destination next season? Yeah, and you know, um, Arian Arian said he he would coach them. Do yeah, you see that? We, we don't talk too much dynasty uh, during the season, but uh, if if you're listening and you play both redraft and dynasty. Antonio Callaway and Jarvis Landry might be some nice buy low players if they do land Bruce Arians in the offseason. That would be a huge boost for that entire offense, and they're already playing well. 
yeah. I mean, well, th- this team could be six four and one if if they had a kicker early in the season. Oh, that's true. Well, they they wouldn't have tied that game. They they could have won those two games. Well, that's why they wouldn't be six four and one. Or yeah, I mean, you know what I mean. I I get it. Okay, uh, what is what is Lowe's take here? The he takes Houston. Oh, I'm being different. Ooh. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it wouldn't shock me if Cleveland took this one. I, I do think it's going to be a close call, but again, I just I would lean the home team in this one. That's fair. Um, let's move on to the next game here. We have uh, the the New York Jets at the Tennessee Titans. Yeah, the uh, you know the Jets remain as unexciting as ever. Uh, Sam Darnold may or may not be back with that foot injury, but regardless of who starts at quarterback, you're not starting Darnold or McCown at Tennessee here. Um, Crowell remains that low ceiling flex play. He'll get you, you know, 30, 40 yards on the ground, maybe like three or four catches for like 20, 30 yards, but really hasn't done much of late. Um, and then Quincy and Nunwa and Jermaine Curse, both PPR wide receiver fours. Not a whole lot, not a whole lot of upside here against the decent Titans defense, despite all these big plays are given up to the Texans right now. And then Chris Hurden, he continues to get targets and receptions, uh, continues to be a high-end tight end, too, for fantasy purposes. As for the Titans' side, this should be a nice bounce-back game for the Titans, regardless of what happens tonight. Uh, like Mariota is a mid-range QB, too. Uh, Deion Lewis is a back-end running back, too, and a pretty good matchup here. I'd probably still avoid Derrick Henry, but he could have some late-game production as a running back four with upside if Tennessee goes up a lot in this one. And then Corey Davis, I like as a low and wide receiver too. Really great matchup for him here. Um, and then Jonu Smith, man, he had that big, big play tonight, and he's been more and more involved in this offense as a late. Uh, the Jets are a tough matchup for tight end, so I'd probably avoid him this week. But, you know, he's still a tight end too if you want to take that chance on him. The Jets offense just hasn't been putting up any points, and I doubt they'll start this week at Tennessee. Give me the Titans at home. Yeah, I'll take the Titans too. Um, I, I will say though, I'm, the Jets' defense is actually decent. Um, I don't know if I would really want to play. I, I don't even know if I want to play Dion Lewis. But did you say it was PPR that you had him as a RB two? Yeah, that's the only instance that I would play him. I mean, is the Jets' defense really good? They're they're not horrible. That's that's not really. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. I I don't know. I I don't. I, I'm not. I really don't want to play any player on either of these teams. Is pretty much what I'm trying to say here. Um, I would disagree with that. I, I think the Titans' offense is slowly starting to get it together. They've been derailed by a couple of Marcus Mariota injuries this season, but uh, I think they're putting it together a little bit. All right. Well, that's that's fine. Uh, I think Lowe's takes Tennessee. Yes, he does. He takes Tennessee for this one. Move on to the next one. Uh, oh God, Kansas City at Oakland. Yeah, you, you almost feel bad for the Raiders here, but uh, I mean that's football, right? The Chiefs are rested from their bye. They've got a beautiful matchup against an Oakland team that's struggling on offense and defense. Uh, Mahomes is my top fantasy quarterback this week. Hunt's a top five running back. Tyree Kill's a top five wide receiver. Travis Kelsey is a top three tight end, and Sammy Watkins is a boomer bust wide receiver three. Um, I, I know Los is going to be annoyed when he hears this part of the podcast, but I, I know I've been talking about the Chiefs defense for weeks now, but they're a top five fantasy play this week with Justin Houston back helping that pass rush. 
and we'll see if Eric Berry finally starts practicing this week or soon. Kansas City is a defense that should be added for this week and probably the rest of the season. On the Raiders' side here, uh, really all we've got is Jalen Richard and Jared Cook. Richard is a PPR flex with lots of garbage time upside in this game, going back to our conversation about good fantasy players on bad teams. And then Jared Cook is a low-end tight end one with lots of upside as well. He's been inconsistent, but again, he might get quite a few targets, uh, assuming the Raiders get behind by a couple scores or more in this one. Technically, in theory, there's lots of garbage time potential here, too, for Jordy Nelson and Marcel Aitman in deeper leagues, but I'd probably avoid them if I can help it. I will take the Chiefs by at least two touchdowns. Man, you want to put a touch? I think that actually would be a better bet for us is to do how many points the Chiefs are going to win by instead of who's going to win this. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I'd take them by 14 and a half. this, This game does not seem like it'll be close at all. Oh, do I solve the lines up? I don't. I'm not going to bother looking again. I'm I'm also going to take Kansas City by I don't know how about how many touchdowns, but they're going to win. Yeah, this is I mean, um real quick note here. This is also a good week to take the Chiefs in uh daily. Uh just because I don't have the exact exact stat pulled up here. I looked at it earlier this week, but Bruce Arians coming off of a bye when he has time to prepare uh usually dominates the opponent. Arians? Or, I'm sorry, um, Andy Reid. Jeez, they, brain, red, fart, brain fart there. They, they were red team, so I understand. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Los obviously takes Kansas City here as well. We don't need to talk about this game anymore. Let's move on. The next one, interesting one, Minnesota at New England. Yeah, I mean, I'm not worried about the Vikings offense here. Uh, the Patriots defense struggled to stop the Jets for a lot of that game. So Kirk Cousins I have as a low-end QB1 with upside. Dalvin Cook, a mid-range RB2. And then both Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs are low-end wide receiver ones here. Um, Coverage-wise, I'm assuming Stephon Gilmore is going to cover Diggs, which means that Thielen will likely see some double teams in the slot. But both of these guys are too talented to bench for fantasy purposes. Uh, You know, they might not have blow-up weeks, but you're still starting them. For the same reason, though, I think this might be another nice game for Kyle Rudolph. Uh, assuming the Patriots focus that coverage on the two wide receivers, he could see a lot of checkdown targets again as that third read like he did against the Packers. I like Rudolph as a mid-range tight end one this week. Uh, he's been quiet for the last few weeks, but you know he had a nice game against Green Bay, and I think this will be another Rudolph game. Going over the Patriots side, uh, we saw Xavier Rhodes pull up and then have to leave the game late against the Packers. Uh, it sounds like he suffered a potentially serious, serious uh, hamstring or Achilles injury. Not sure exactly what it is yet. We might get more information tonight or tomorrow, but I'm going to assume here that Xavier Rhodes is out for this matchup, so certainly an upgrade for Tom Brady and the Patriots. I would start Cousins over Brady in this game uh, if I had to pick one, but I still have Brady as a low-end quarterback one as well. Um, it's really not a good matchup for the running backs, though. The Vikings have been stuffing the run and limiting yards after the catch. With Rex Burkhead uh, activated off of IR today, he's back. That whole running back situation is messy and probably not great this week. I would rank Sony Michelle as a high-end running back three. I have James White as a low-end flex, and I probably would not start Rex Burkhead here, just a desperation running back five. We'll see how many touches he even gets his first week back. But again, Minnesota in general, not a great matchup for running backs. 
As for the wide receivers, uh, assuming Rhodes is out, I like Edelman as a high and wide receiver three, and Josh Gordon as a boom or bust wide receiver three or flex, and then Gronk is a mid-range tight end one here. I do think the Vikings are good enough to keep this close, but uh, without Xavier Rhodes, I'm going to lean towards the Patriots at home. I really want to take Minnesota here because they are, I feel like they're going to kick it up a notch now that it's, you know, they have to fight hard now for that, for that wild card spot. I'm, of course, I'm assuming here that the Bears are going to take away the NFC North being ahead by two games. Or is it one game? Uh, it's one and a half with well, that okay, yeah, tie. Right. It's uh, one and a half. The, the tie makes things all weird. Um, I just think that they're going to – it's going to be a very close game. I have a hard time betting against New England at home in most cases. I'm going to take them too. But I would not be surprised if Minnesota ends up winning this by like a last-minute field goal. Yeah, like I said, I think this is going to be a close game. Um, but – Again, just without Xavier Rhodes, I think that's a huge piece, and that that tips the scale for me. That's fair. I, I'm taking the home team in this yep. case. So does Los. Los. Yeah, Los is the same. Okay, the next game we have is San Francisco at Seattle. Yeah. Um, you know, Nick Mullins has really struggled uh, in the last two weeks, uh, even though they were pretty good matchups here. Uh, he had that hot start against Oakland, but really just couldn't get it done against the Giants or the Buccaneers. Uh, it's unclear whether Shanahan's going to go with Mullins again here or go back to C.J. Beathard, but I'd avoid starting either quarterback at Seattle. Uh, Marquise Goodwin sounds like he may or may not return from some kind of personal emergency. We don't really know what's going on here, but uh, probably for fantasy purposes, I would assume he's out. And then Pierre Garçon still dealing with that knee issue that he's had trouble with all year, so he might not play either. Uh, right now, I, I probably wouldn't trust either, even if they're active. And honestly, I wouldn't start any Niners player here at Seattle outside of Matt Breida and George Kittle. I have Breida as a high-end running back three, low-end running back two, and I have Kittle as a mid-range tight end one here. On the Seahawks side, uh, this 49ers defense was already in rough shape, and now they've lost Jimmy Ward to another broken arm. Uh, Wilson's the top five fantasy play here. Uh, Chris Carson I have as a high-end running back two. And even Mike Davis is a running back four, uh, kind of like why I ranked Derrick Henry a little bit higher this week. I think Davis also has potential to get a few carries toward the end of this game if the Seahawks get up by enough possessions to rest Carson a little bit. Tyler Lockett and Doug Baldwin, I like both of them as high and wide receiver threes, though I prefer Lockett. He seems to have a nose for the end zone here. He has that chemistry with Wilson. And then David Moore, we've been talking about so much every week. Uh, he's still a boomer bust wide receiver four, but again, finally, we see that big game for him. And then the Seahawks defense here too. I like him. I like them as a streaming defense candidate this week. Uh, there's a lot of uncertainty at quarterback for San Francisco, and again, they're possibly going to be out without their top two wide receivers yet again. So, give me the Seahawks here at home. I'm going to take the Seahawks here too. Uh, I just want to point out that. Russell Wilson heats up in the second half. I guess it's we're way past the second half of the season now, but I'd buy all Seahawks right now. I know most trade de- uh, trade deadlines have already passed, but if there's anyone on the waiver wire who is potentially startable, I would just pick them all up. Yeah, I mean that's I, I agree. Yeah, that's that's why I said buy Tyler Lockett. Uh, I think it was a couple shows ago, so. Um, definitely on the same page here. Uh, again, Russell Wilson does heat up in the second half every year, and they can still make the playoffs here. They might. All right, let's. Oh, what, what does Lowe's take? Um, Seahawks. Duh. 
Uh, next game we have Sunday Night Football. It's the L.A. Chargers, not the Clippers. I almost said Clippers. I hate that. that they have the same acronym here. Uh, at Pittsburgh. Yeah, I, you know, I think enough has been said about what a terrible decision was to keep Melvin Gordon in the game when they were up so much. So I'm not going to get into that too much. Um, Rivers here, uh, it's a tough matchup on the road. The Steelers' defense is playing well, uh, but he's still a viable QB1 option. Uh, low on QB1 with upside here uh, if this turns into a shootout. And then with Gordon likely out multiple weeks with a grade 2 MCL sprain, Austin Eckler becomes a priority waiver wire ad. We'll talk about him and Justin Jackson a little bit more on the waiver wire section. But for this week specifically, I have Eckler as a low-end running back 2 with RB1 upside and PPR. And Justin Jackson is probably the better pure runner of the two. Uh, and notably, he got more carries than Eckler against the Cardinals. So Jackson will be a boomer bust running back 4. We'll see if he can punch in a score. And then Keenan Allen remains that low on wide receiver one, although the Steelers secondary is playing pretty well. Uh, both Tyrell Williams and Mike Williams are going to be boomer bust wide receiver four plays. On the Steelers side here, um, they just played awful the whole game, uh, all aspects against Denver outside of that fake field goal. But Roethlisberger at home is still a good low end quarterback one in fantasy this week. James Conner has had some down games recently, but he's still a low end RB one. And then Antonio Brown, of course, you're starting. He's a wide receiver one. And Juju Smith-Schuster, a boomer bust wide receiver two here. Lots of upside in this game, certainly. And the biggest question here is uh, Vance McDonald. He left the game against the Broncos with a hip injury. If McDonald's active, he would be a high-end tight end two for me. Uh, still splitting some time with Jesse James. But if Vance McDonald's out, I like Jesse James quite a bit. I, get, I have him bumped up to a low-end tight end one in that scenario for this week. Roethlisberger has been targeting his tight ends a lot recently, and uh, this is a good matchup for tight ends. As for, uh, excuse me, as for Jesse, not Jesse James, uh, Ryan Switzer, he had a lot of targets as well against Denver and played well. Uh, he's a guy that I picked up in a few dynasty leagues, uh, deeper dynasty leagues in the offseason, but for right now, Switzer's still just a boomer bust wide receiver five, even in PPR. Uh, his usage has just been highly inconsistent this year to really trust that kind of production. Had Melvin Gordon been healthy, this would have been a very tough call, but without him, I will lean towards the Steelers here at home. It should be a close game regardless and a fun one to watch, but I think they'll take this without Gordon. I'm taking the Steelers too pretty handily. Um, I could just be making this up, but I, I seem to remember uh, – Melvin Gordon being kept in a game too long, either one or two seasons ago as well, and getting injured and everyone being like, why did this happen? Did I just make this up? I, I'm rem Maybe I'm remembering this incorrectly. Um, Honestly, I can't remember. That's fine. I tried doing a Google search, but I couldn't quite find it because I don't know. I don't know. If anyone out there remembers this and wants to tell me I'm not crazy, you can you can just tweet at us. <laughs> sounds, sounds like a plan. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Oh, I'm taking Pittsburgh, and so is Los. Uh, the next game we have, Monday Night Football, is Washington at Philadelphia. Yeah, good news for Washington today. Uh, both Chris Thompson and Jamison Crowder practiced, so if both of these guys can return, it would be a huge boost to this offense. Um, as is, I you know avoid Colt McCoy on the road here, uh, even if he does get those guys back. Uh, the Eagles' secondary is pretty weak right now with injuries, 
but their pass rush can still eat up Washington's taped together offensive line. Adrian Peterson, just a flex play for me for that reason. However, if Chris Thompson were to return here, I like him as a PPR flex play with upside. Uh, I think he could get a lot of short checkdowns given the state of that offensive line. And then Josh Doxson I have as a boomer bust wide receiver four. And I would have Jamison Crowder as a low-end flex play if he can come back in this one as well. I think this is one where they're going to need to throw quite a bit. Uh, and the secondary is where you want to attack the Eagles here. Finally, Jordan Reed was in street clothes and not practicing today despite the reports after the Dallas game that he did not have a concussion. We'll see what happens here with him. Um, If Reed plays, obviously he's a mid-range tight end one, but if he's out, Vernon Davis gets up to a high-end tight end two play this week. So definitely something to monitor here, see if Jordan Reed is practicing later on this week. On the Eagles' side, their offense is really struggling. I have once as just a high-end QB2 here. Washington's offense is sputtering a little bit, but their defense is still playing pretty well, uh, despite uh, that performance that Dak Prescott and Amari Cooper put up against them on Thanksgiving. Josh Adams, finally, we got the report. uh, I think it was just before the game that he was going to be a featured back. So assuming this kind of usage continues, Adams is a high-end running back three here, uh, with Washington giving up quite a few yards on the ground recently. I don't love Alshon, Jeff- Alshon Jeffrey as more than a flex. Um, and even though the Eagles are trying to get the ball to Golden Tate more, they're still struggling to produce with him. Tate, just a wide receiver for in fantasy for now. And despite the Redskins defending against opposing tight ends pretty well, you're starting Zach Ertz. Uh, don't get too cute here. He's a top five fantasy tight end every single week. This one was interesting to look at, but ultimately, even if Thompson and Crowder are both back, I still want to take Philadelphia at home here in prime time. I think they can do enough to win this matchup, uh, although it might be another close call like it was against the Giants. Yeah, I I actually really don't know who to pick here either. Uh, I really want to go with Philadelphia, and and I think I'm just going to because I don't really trust in this Washington team right now. their defense is just okay. I mean, I mean they're 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 good, but they're not super great. And I feel like this Philadelphia, you know, they can they have the potential. I, I don't know. I don't trust. I don't trust Washington right now. Um, Los also takes Philadelphia, and that is all of the games. Every single one. Yeah, um, lots of divisional matchups uh, this week. Uh, should be interesting to see, uh, and a lot still up in the air with the playoff picture so every single game counts now for a lot of these teams moving on to the injury section here we'll start with the quarterbacks we got mitch trubisky with that shoulder sprain he wasn't able to play against detroit on thanksgiving but that game was just three and a half days after their sunday night game against minnesota we'll see if trubisky practices this week but he's questionable for now keep an eye on those practice reports Sam Darnold with a foot sprain. Still questionable, but it sounds like he's more likely to return week 14 than this week. Keep monitoring his practice reports. Joe Flacco, we mentioned, had the hip injury where he's questionable, but regardless, it sounds like Lamar Jackson is going to continue starting at quarterback for Baltimore. Flacco is droppable in all one-quarterback redraft formats. And then finally, Andy Dalton with that thumb injury on IR, droppable in all redraft formats. At running back, we have Melvin Gordon with his grade 2 MCL sprain. He's likely out at least a couple of weeks, maybe more. Austin Eckler is going to be a priority waiver wire ad that we'll get to in just a second. 
Leonard Fournette, uh, not an injury, but he is suspended for one game. Keep that in mind. Marlon Mack with a concussion. Every player gets through concussion protocol at a different pace, so consider him questionable. However, he does have a full week to recover. Kenyon Drake with that shoulder injury uh, re-injured that same shoulder that he was having issues with before and left the game against the Colts, but he was able to return. Um, So just keep an eye on him, see if he's practicing this week. Uh, We'll consider him questionable for now. Kerryon Johnson with a knee sprain, questionable. Just monitor his practice participation this week. And Alex Collins with a knee injury. We don't have a ton of info on it, but it sounds minor based on reports out of Baltimore. But regardless, it sounds like Gus Edwards has taken over the starting job for the Ravens, so Collins is likely just the number two guy in that running back by committee in Baltimore. Collins is probably droppable outside of deeper leagues. Chris Thompson with the knee and rib injuries. He's questionable, but finally practiced today, so a good sign for him. Keep monitoring his practice participation throughout the week. And finally, Rex Burkhead with that neck injury. He was on IR designated to return, and he was activated today, so he's eligible to play this week. And at wide receiver, we've got Sammy Watkins with that foot injury. He was active against the Rams, uh, scammed a lot of fantasy owners into starting him, uh, but didn't play. So presumably that means he was close to ready. Barring any reports of Watkins not practicing this week, uh, he should be good to go. Jameson Crowder, we mentioned earlier with a knee and ankle injury is questionable, but like Chris Thompson, practice today, so a good sign. Keep monitoring his practice participation throughout the week. AJ Green with that foot-toe injury, still questionable. Keep monitoring those practice reports. We'll see if they actually decide to activate him for the rest of the season. Traquan Smith with that foot injury, uh, missed the Thanksgiving game. He's questionable this week, so monitor those practice reports. Danny Amendola with a knee injury sounds doubtful for this week, but we're still awaiting more info on that, so stay tuned on Amendola. Devin Funchess uh, was out with a back injury, questionable for this week, but it seems like DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel are both getting more and more involved now, both playing well, so even when he returns, Funchess is likely just a boomer bust fantasy wide receiver for, probably doesn't need to be rostered outside of deeper leagues. Randall Cobb with the hamstring injury, he's questionable, but again, he's been ineffective even when healthy. He probably doesn't need to be rostered. Pierre Garçon with a knee injury, he's been dealing with this all year, questionable for this week, but again, if he's unlikely to play, uh, not really a huge part of the San Francisco offense at this point, regardless, Garçon's probably droppable in shallower formats like Cobb and Funches as well. And finally, Marvin Jones with that bone bruise on his knee placed on IR. He's droppable in all redraft formats. And finally, at tight end, we've got Evan Ingram with a hamstring strain. Ingram suffered the injury pregame warmups before the Philadelphia game, so we have yet to hear how severe this injury is, but for now, consider him questionable. Jimmy Graham with that broken thumb. He was surprisingly able to play through this injury with that splint on his thumb, but he was barely targeted until late in the game. Probably just a fantasy tight end too for now, and whether or not you should roster Graham depends on your league and what tight ends are available on the waiver wire. Jordan Reed with a possible concussion. Uh, Reed was reportedly not in concussion protocol after the game on Thursday, but again, he was in street clothes and did not practice today, so monitor the situation. Hunter Henry we've talked about for a little bit now with that ACL tear. He suffered that injury in May and could be activated off IR next month. 
for fantasy teams that are locked into the playoffs, Henry can be stashed if you've been streaming tight ends. Even if you're set at tight end, you could deny another playoff team a potential tight end one upgrade. OJ Howard with a high ankle sprain was placed on injury reserve, droppable in all redraft formats. And same goes for Jack Doyle with the kidney injury, placed on IR as well and droppable in all redraft formats. Going on to the waiver wire section here. At quarterback, we've got Mitch Trubisky, 76% owned in ESPN, 72% owned in Yahoo. If Trubisky was dropped in your league due to his injury, pick him up. The Giants are a great matchup this week, and even if he doesn't play this week, Trubisky has a beautiful fantasy playoff schedule. Week 14, he's got the Rams with shootout potential, and then two good matchups against a devastated Green Bay secondary and a bad 49ers secondary in weeks 15 and 16. Trubisky has top five fantasy quarterback potential down the stretch and should be owned in all leagues. Dak Prescott, 44% owned in ESPN, 47% owned in Yahoo. The Dallas offense is clicking with Amari Cooper taking some pressure off Zeke, and Prescott's been a fantasy quarterback one the last few games. The game against New Orleans this week has shootout potential as well, and he has a good fantasy playoff schedule much like Trubisky. He plays against the Eagles, the Colts, and Tampa Bay in weeks 14 to 16. All of these teams have weak secondaries, and Prescott could be a league winner as well. Lamar Jackson, 49% owned in ESPN, 42% owned in Yahoo. Jackson still isn't throwing well, just under 200 yards passing against Oakland, one touchdown, two interceptions, but Jackson's rushing yards and scores are going to keep him as a high-floor, high-ceiling QB2 in fantasy. He has an okay matchup this week at Atlanta, and again in Week 15 at home against Tampa Bay. And finally, if you're desperate, Matthew Stafford, 58% owned in ESPN, 69% owned in Yahoo!, Honestly, Stafford shouldn't even be owned in this many leagues. He's been terrible this year, uh, especially since Detroit traded away Golden Tate. Stafford is likely only this highly owned due to name value, but again, if you're desperate, the Lions are probably going to need to throw a ton to play catch-up against the Rams this week. He's a risky play, but has potential for garbage time points. And at running back, we've got Josh Adams leading the way, 67% owned in ESPN, 55% owned in Yahoo!, Adams was featured against the Giants and should continue to get a heavy workload this week against Washington. He's a low-end RB2 or high-end RB3 with upside rest of the season if he keeps this lead role, and hopefully you added him already last week. Austin Eckler, 55% owned in ESPN, 70% owned in Yahoo, and Justin Jackson, 0% owned in ESPN, 1% owned in Yahoo. A lot of wise Melvin Gordon owners added Eckler this past week when the news came out about him. And Eckler is the priority pickup as the main pri- excuse me as the main receiving back in what could be a back and forth game against Pittsburgh this week. However, it's important to note that Jackson is more of a between the tackles runner than Eckler and received seven carries to Eckler's five against Arizona this past week. Eckler is a low end running back two in PPR and Jackson a desperation flex play. Given the option, though, I would still rather add Josh Adams as we don't yet know how soon Gordon might return. Chris Thompson we talked about a little bit, 51% owned in ESPN, 44% owned in Yahoo. Thompson practiced today and could return this week. With Washington's offensive line wrecked by injuries, Thompson could see double-digit targets and be a PPR running back three or flex with a lot of upside. 
Theo Riddick, 37% owned in ESPN, 51% owned in Yahoo. Riddick's been used a ton in the passing game since Detroit traded away Golden Tate. Even if and when Carrion Johnson returns, Riddick should still be a PPR flex play with a decent floor and some upside, especially this week with Detroit likely playing catch-up against the Rams. Gus Edwards, 54% owned in ESPN, 63% owned in Yahoo. Edwards has run well the last couple of weeks with the threat of Lamar Jackson keeping the ball and running it himself. This makes it tough on opposing defenses to defend against the run. However, with Alex Collins possibly back this week, even if he remains the lead back, Edwards is probably just a flex play with upside. Jalen Richard, 52% owned in ESPN, 42% owned in Yahoo. Richard continues to be used in the passing game, particularly in catch-up situations. He's a PPR flex with a decent floor, and much like Riddick, although with a lower ceiling, he wasn't excuse me, he wasn't needed in a surprisingly close game against Baltimore, but Richard will likely see much more work in the passing game this week against Kansas City, with Oakland likely trailing for most of this game. And finally, Rex Burkhead, 9% owned in ESPN, 18% owned in Yahoo. Burkhead is more likely to detract from Sony Michelle and James White's fantasy production rather than add a ton of his own. But both Michelle and White have had injury issues of their own, and we've seen that any time a Patriots running back is hurt, the other two usually produce more fantasy points. Burkhead is a potential RB3 or flex with upside. And finally, just one note, other priority running back handcuffs that are widely available on the waiver wire here in most leagues. We've got Rod Smith and Dallas, who would likely take over the main role if Ezekiel Elliott were to get hurt. We've got Spencer Ware in Kansas City if Kareem Hunt were to get hurt. And then we've got Malcolm Brown on the Rams in case Todd Gurley gets hurt. Moving on to wide receiver here, we've got DJ Moore, 59% owned in ESPN, 67% owned in Yahoo. Moore has become an integral piece of Carolina's passing offense as of late, and he's likely passed Devin Funches on the depth chart as the number one wide receiver here. He also has a beautiful schedule in the fantasy playoffs as Carolina plays Cleveland, New Orleans, and Atlanta in weeks 14 to 16. Josh Reynolds we talked about last week as well, 34% owned in ESPN, 51% owned in Yahoo. With Cooper Cup out for the season with that torn ACL, Reynolds is going to play a lot with the Rams using three wide receiver sets the vast majority of the time on offense. He's just a boomer bust flex option or wide receiver three, but Reynolds has an insanely high ceiling week to week. I'm surprised he's not owned in more leagues, and hopefully you already added him last week. Kiki QT, 27% owned in Yahoo, 64% owned in ESPN. While he has been a bit boomer bust this season, we've seen QT's upside earlier, and he plays Indianapolis, the Jets, and the Eagles in the fantasy playoffs during weeks 14 to 16. All great wide receiver matchups here. Anthony Miller, 47% owned in ESPN, 40% owned in Yahoo. Miller had a down week at Detroit, but with Mitch Trubisky returning from his shoulder injury in the next week or two, Miller has a great fantasy playoff schedule. The Bears are going to be in a likely shootout against the Rams in Week 14, and then they play two teams with bad secondaries against Green Bay and at San Francisco in Weeks 15 and 16. Miller is a wide receiver three with massive upside once Trubisky returns. Equinemius St. Brown, 1% owned in ESPN and Yahoo. And Marquez Valdez-Scantling, 58% owned in ESPN, 56% owned in Yahoo. St. Brown seems to have passed Valdez-Scantling on the Packers wide receiver depth chart this week, 
But with the Packers needing to win all their remaining games to really have a shot at the playoffs, expect Aaron Rodgers to start taking some more chances. They have nothing to lose, and both of these rookie wide receivers will be boomer bust wide receiver fours with good matchups against Arizona and Atlanta the next two weeks, and they also get the Jets in Week 16. Christian Kirk, 32% owned in ESPN, 38% owned in Yahoo. Kirk has been a boomer bust flex, but he has an amazing upcoming schedule. He plays the Packers' injury-ridden secondary this week, and then he gets Detroit and Atlanta in Weeks 14 and 15. All good wide receiver matchups here. David Moore, 7% owned in ESPN, 10% owned in Yahoo. Moore is still just a boomer bust wide receiver four, but we see that upside in this past game. Wilson's targeting him on big plays downfield and in the red zone, and Moore has good matchups coming up as well, playing San Francisco this week and again in week 15, and then he gets Kansas City in week 16, with with Seattle likely needing to air it out on offense to keep up with Mahomes and the Chiefs. And at tight end. We've got Eric Ebron, already owned in 89% of ESPN leagues and 92% of Yahoo leagues, but Eric Ebron should be owned in 100% of leagues. With Jack Doyle now on IR, Ebron is a locked-in top three or four fantasy tight end rest of the season. David Njoku, 67% owned in ESPN, 79% owned in Yahoo. Again, he's already highly owned, but I'm surprised that he's still available in so many leagues here. This Cleveland offense looks good following the coaching change, and Houston, Carolina, Denver, and Cincinnati are all great upcoming tight end matchups for his schedule. Najoku's a must-add if he's still out there. Vance McDonald, 59% owned in ESPN, 70% owned in Yahoo. McDonald is a preferred option in the middle of the field for Roethlisberger and in the red zone, and he dropped an easy touchdown against Denver, or he could have had a much bigger week. The Chargers have given up some big games to opposing tight ends this year as well. And just a side note, if McDonald is out this week, then Jesse James could be a nice tight end to streamer as well. Cameron Brait, 54% owned in ESPN, 65% owned in Yahoo. Brait has been an afterthought in this Tampa Bay offense, but with OJ Howard on IR, Brait is a high-end tight end too, maybe even a low-end tight end one, given how much Winston likes targeting him in the red zone. Carolina has also had trouble defending against tight ends this season. And then finally, Matt Lacoste, 0% owned in ESPN and Yahoo. Who? If you're desperate, Jeff Hireman is out for the year with broken ribs. Lacoste is the next man up at tight end and has played well as a receiver when given the opportunity this year. If Hireman is out for the rest of the season, then he becomes a priority tight end to pick up with lots of upside here. And he has a great matchup against Cincinnati this week. Hunter Henry, 1% owned in ESPN and in Yahoo. Henry has a chance to be activated next month, and with the Chargers offense scoring a ton of points, Henry is worth adding if you're basically locked in for a playoff spot and have a bench or an IR spot for him. At defense, we've got, of course, the Kansas City defense. 39% owned in ESPN, 44% owned in Yahoo. I know I've been talking about them for weeks. But even against top-tier Rams offense, they were able to get sacks and turnovers with Justin Houston back. They're a top-five fantasy defense option this week against Oakland, and if Eric Berry comes back soon from that Achilles injury, then they could be a top-five defense for the rest of the season. Seattle, we've got 16% owned in ESPN, 24% owned in Yahoo. The Seahawks may not have the Legion of Boom anymore, but they've beaten up on bad opponents this year. 
San Francisco is possibly without their top two wide receivers yet again and should be a great matchup for this opportunistic Seahawks defense. Green Bay defense, 20% owned in ESPN, 40% owned in Yahoo. Kirk Cousins dominated this Packers defense all night, but Arizona has to play at Green Bay this week with a questionable offensive line. Rodgers will likely put up points on the Cardinals, which means that Rosen will likely make some mistakes playing catch-up. The Tennessee defense. Tonight we're seeing they're not doing so hot, but 40% owned in ESPN, 23% owned Yahoo, with Sam Darnold still questionable, or even if Darnold plays. The Titans defense are a tough unit that will likely force some turnovers regardless of whether Darnold or McCown is throwing them, and probably hold the Jets to a low score. And finally, at kicker, we've got Michael Badgley, 19% in ESPN, 35% owned in Yahoo. Badgley has been kicking well for a top offense in the league, given how the Chargers have been playing. We want fantasy kickers tied to good offenses, and Badgley has averaged 10 points per game over the last three. We've been mentioning him for weeks now, but we'll keep talking about him until his ownership percentage goes up. Jake Elliott, 43% owned in ESPN, 69% owned in Yahoo. The Eagles' offense is improving slowly but surely. They should be able to drive down the field against Washington, but Washington's red zone defense is pretty good. That should mean at least two to three field goal opportunities for Elliott this week. Matt Bryant, 57% owned in ESPN, 76% owned in Yahoo. Baltimore's defense hasn't been playing that well despite their dominant performance against Oakland. Atlanta will be at home, and they should be able to put up some points against the Ravens, including a few field, excuse me, a few field goals for Bryant. That is going to wrap up our show this week. Sorry you had to listen to me ramble on with Los gone and on the road today, but uh, hopefully you're doing well in your leagues. Hopefully you can squeeze into the fantasy playoffs. Hopefully you can get that first round by, and even if you're out of the playoffs, uh, I know in one league I've had some terrible luck, and I, I think I'm 4-8, and eight, but you can still uh, play spoiler. You can still knock some other teams out of playoff contention maybe, but either way, uh, it's crunch time now. We're getting down to the wire, and uh, we just want to wish you good luck. And with the holidays coming up, uh, you know, hopefully you'll have a little extra spending money if you do win that fantasy title this year. As always, if you have more specific questions for us about your specific team or league, you can always find us on Twitter. I am at FFA underscore Mung. That's M-E-N-G. You can find Los at at FFA underscore Los. That's L-O-S. And you can find our super producer, Dan, at FFA underscore Dan. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast. We're available on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and SoundCloud whether you are listening to us on your computer or mobile device. Any last words, Dan? No. (laughs) All right. uh, Short and succinct. I like it. Uh, Well, Los should be back next week. So, you know, we'll get right back to it and then it'll be the playoffs. So, uh, yeah. Do we want to, do we, do we have a schedule for our listeners? Do, Do we know? This is actually more of a question for me. (laughs) <laughs> what do you mean a schedule uh how many more episodes are we doing this season yeah i mean we'll we'll run through our normal uh previews up up through week 15 uh, basically previewing week 16 after the week 15 games um and then uh hopefully we'll fit in some end of season dynasty content for those of you that do play in dynasty leagues 
uh, you know, and if and if you haven't, uh, give it a shot. It's a it's a fun format, although uh, it does take a little bit of commitment as you're, you know, keeping the same roster basically year to year and just drafting rookies. But that's my shtick uh, about Dynasty. Give it a shot, uh, and as always, it's a fantasy world, and we're all just addicts in it. Do I get to say it? I'm going to. Thanks, addicts. <laughs>